And welcome to the Mancunian Candidates, the show that brings you everything that's happening over in America and brings the, well, our interpretation of it to anybody that's in the USA. And we also let you know what's going on in Blighty, the good old United Kingdom, which has been ripping itself apart for the past six months, uh, maybe you could argue three years. And finally, we have a breakthrough. I'm Mike Royce and I'm here with... Uh, my name's Paul Ripley um, and we are delighted you're listening, whether on a podcast or live on the show on Fab Radio International. Um, the biggest breakthrough and the most important election, I think, for many, 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 many years since the days of Thatcher, I think, um, which is upon us on the 12th of December. There's been nothing at stake like this before. In fact, you could argue that even when Thatcher was trying to get elected, her government is nowhere near as right-wing as this bunch of pirates that's that's found itself ensconced in number 10 with a, a certifiable in my opinion, lunatic Dominic Cummings running the whole campaign and the whole show with Boris Johnson. They're just happily trying to get us a no-deal Brexit, get us out of Europe so that you can then lean over to the Atlantic, uh, lean over to United States and cosy up to Trump and no doubt start to slowly dismantle the NHS so that at the very point where everybody in the United States is asking for free healthcare and free college education and it's a popular massive big ticket um, wish list number that, that's what most of the progressive candidates in the Democrats are running on at the point when it seems like America has seen sense and seen that we don't, they don't need the, to be scared of privatised, uh, sorry, um, social, a more socialised uh, setup for healthcare. They, uh, we decide that if we elect Boris, well, all that's in jeopardy. Yeah, it's in jeopardy, and. Um you always got to think why i i i uh why and it's always this money it's yeah. always the same it's, no all, it's all what, money yeah. the whole yeah. story about yeah. you know yeah. money or power or both well uh, the ideology is attached to money and that's the thing the the you can't divorce the two the the this right wing new right ideology that that came about with Thatcher that Boris is so enamoured with and and lots of conservatives are is this whole roll back the state it's actually come from classic liberalism but it's all about letting the markets letting uh, having tiny government letting the markets decide everything and and that if you do that you'll get increased competition and that the the poor in society will benefit from that bollocks it doesn't work it's never worked there was a version of it in the united states reaganomics uh we have thatcherism here and it doesn't work all it does is it drives up unemployment it it forces inflation up it makes the cost of living high for working people and it the the end result is a massive massive imbalance in opportunity and um 
and well-being. That's all you get. You just get that people at the bottom of the pyramid just crushed even lower. Um, the problem with letting market forces run unfettered is that they will never stop trying to increase profits. No. And the only it gets to a point where you've made the item as cheap as you can make it. Then you've got a competitor that's offering it at slightly cheaper. So then the only way of making it cheaper than that is either a combination of, of getting factories abroad and paying people slave wages or screwing over your existing staff and getting rid of benefits, getting and well, making so keep it and locking the wage as low as possible. Zero hour contracts, which yeah. are sort of flooding uh, this country. And they shouldn't be an American be. idea which has been brought in and used yeah. uh, to get I was talking to a guy who works yeah. for the BBC the BBC, mm. literally, mm. the other day, and he is on a zero-hour contract. Mm. Freelance, zero-hour yeah. contract. You're working th- Saturday afternoon. Mm. Oh, am I? Right. Yeah. I've got something planned. Oh, well, no more work then. Yeah. End of story. Yeah. You're End creating a slave workforce with it. Amazon have done well. <coughs> haven't you, Mr. Haven't, Jeff Bezos? They? You arsehole. Well, tax you, they paid. Oh. Uh, it's untrue. Now, one of the biggest things about Bezos. this election, and one of the things we've got to get across here, and, and I've got to get across to you as well, Mike, Oh yeah, is never mind the attitude of, oh, yeah. Let's, let's get, we're on a different world now. Yeah, okay. I get that. Um, we're, uh, we need a, there's a fight ahead, and we need to change. I saw a post on Facebook this morning, social mm. media, and it cheered me up because it mm. says it's a um, it's an election, it's a general election. It's not Tinder. You no. don't have to like him. Vote for the policies. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that's just quite. Yeah, but uh, it's, well. it's 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 because like we've something... never argued about the policies, have we, Mike? Yeah, that, that, that's we've good. We disagreed that. on many things. It's nice to hear a seven-year-old getting involved in politics. It's great. What are you talking about? The person who posted that. It's good. I, like, I love hearing young children, Seven. young naive children being involved Seven. in politics. What are we about? The, the age of the person who wrote that. Why Why you say that? Because it's inane. Why? Because it's stupid, that's why. But why does it make you Because feel, you can't divorce from the person, can you? Does it make you feel bad? No, because yeah, I, 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 will be voting, I will be voting Labour and I will be voting for the party. Not him. And that's He's going to be incompetent, but he'll serve the purpose of stopping He's Boris Johnson getting in. Been on the right side but you of can't history. start going. It's not on the right side of history he at all. Been. The guy's the biggest hypocrite I've ever heard in my He's life. The, right the guy has is, is, has gone against the whip on nearly every vote that, that there's of note involving conflict or anything that he's not very happy with. Mm. He's gone against the Isn't whip. Is not allowed opinion? To, well, he doesn't allow it with other people, does he? Does he? Does he when he's he's sacking Hillary Benn and putting him in, in, on the back bench? When he's getting rid of people who are who are against leaving the EU because we know that Jeremy so, Corbyn is a Eurosceptic. <coughs> Within eight minutes of the show starting, yeah, yeah. we're in an argument. It's not an argument. You told me a load of inane drivel from it, somebody well, online. Up. I'm glad it cheered you it up cheered because you know I, I, it's like reading a fairy story, though, isn't it? Now, what because it? you've got you will have him in number ten, and he may block Boris Johnson, and he may stop that. But there is a very real risk that if a minority government is formed with Labour, the Lib Dems, etc., in some anti-Brexit coalition, that. Labour will never get in power again and will be destroyed as a party because if he is an incompetent Prime Minister 
that's what you're going to get. Well, and you, he, if, doesn't if, 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 he doesn't listen to anybody. He doesn't listen to anybody. He doesn't play does... well with others. That's not a good. That's not a good thing for a prime minister. You've already got somebody in so power straight now. Away, people listen to this show now are being put off voting for Labour. I'm not putting them off. I'm saying vote Labour. You've got to vote Labour, but be aware of of the guy's limitations because at some point you might have to vote a new leader in. What do you th- what do you think Bernie Saunders thought of Jeremy Corbyn? Let's find out. Heard that. <laughs> and ironically, when we agreed to come to the UK, that was before uh, your Prime Minister uh, called the uh, snap election. Uh, so this is not intentional, my being here at this point. Uh, yes, there are similarities. Uh, here are the similarities, as I see it, not being an expert on UK politics. Uh, what Corbyn has tried to do with the Labour Party is not dissimilar uh, from what some of us are trying to do with the Democratic Party. And that is cr- make it a party which is much more open and inviting for working people and young people and not have kind of what we call a liberal elite making the decisions from the top on down, but making decisions from the bottom on up. So that's one area where I think that what Corbyn is doing is trying to revitalize democracy, bring a lot of new people into the political process, and I think that that is an excellent idea. That's what we need to do in countries all over the world, and certainly what we are trying to do in the United States. Second of all, uh, Corbyn, I think, has shown a lot of courage in dealing with some of the economic issues that I do a lot of time talking about in the United States. Let me be very honest with you. If I were to give a speech, for example, about women's rights, people would say, that's great, that's really important. If I were to give a speech about gay rights, people would say, that's great, Bernie. We need to fight homophobia. If I were to give a speech about combating racism, and in my country, a broken criminal justice system, people would say, that's great. We cannot tolerate racism or sexism or homophobia. And people respond to that. But what is harder for a variety of reasons for people to deal with is the fact that increasingly in this country, and Corbyn makes this point, and in my country, we are looking at oligarchic forms of government where the people on top have increased power, have increased wealth, while the middle classes shrink and while many people live in desperate poverty. That is a an approach that makes certain people uncomfortable. They feel uneasy about that. But I applaud Jeremy Corbyn for raising those issues because at the end of the day, if we are going to create governments that work for all of us, if we're going to deal with health care and create great educational systems and protect the environment and combat climate change and deal with issues like women's rights and gay rights and combating racism, We need to have a government of what Abraham Lincoln in America described, a government of the people, by the people, and for the people, and not a government of billionaires and large multinational corporations. I think it says it so well, actually, about, um, you know, it's a wake-up call. I do wish Jeremy Corbyn spoke with as much passion uh, and 
as he well that does that there. is that is the problem you've got there a very passionate guy with energy levels that are very admirable in somebody's Absolutely. age yeah. i'm sure he would make a great president yeah. and he's certainly a caring individual yeah. but but he's he's on a different level than jeremy yeah. Jer- when it, when it comes to professionalism and in and um, and just just basic competence the the guy's great the guy keeps going the guy's had a heart attack and he's still back on the campaign trail now he's had uh, stents in and he's still fighting he's still going at it you know um and him and him and elizabeth warren if either of them win the presidency the country i still don't think it will veer to the left i no. still don't think you'll no. you'll choose thing you'll sort things out overnight because there's so many of those Democrats when when I hear them like um, Amy Klobuchar Amy Klobuchar when she is speaking out against oh we sh- we got to be realistic you can't just have uh, socialised uh, healthcare because you know it's the cost of taxes are going to soar and all that and the way that she carries on and uh, certain other members like Cory Booker and and I'm sorry, you know, um, they, there's a lot of them on that stage out of the 12 yeah. that are, are would be Tories here. Yeah, yeah. They, they would be Conservative yeah. MPs here because they are centre-right. And, OK, they're moderate, but they're, they're, but they're extreme for the Democrats. They're, they're, they've got pockets in big business. They've got, you know, some of them are billionaires. Um, and that's the problem that you've got. So if, say, Elizabeth Warren, say uh, Bernie wins, either of them, you've still got a party that's going to resist getting rid of uh, the insurance companies. That's the big thing. You either get rid of the insurance companies from, from healthcare in the United States or it won't change. Putting a public option in isn't enough. Uh, Obamacare wasn't enough. How how ironic would it be if uh, we end up with Boris uh, as our Prime Minister and uh, Trump gets kicked out? Well, that'd be interesting because we'd be veering (laughs) straight on a... I mean, he would drive us that far to the right that we'd hit the crash barrier. You know, that's that's what you'd get. This would be a radical... If he got a majority now, you've seen what he's done what he's done with no majority and i mean and no majority nothing. yeah yeah he's and, and he's tried to get away with murder yeah. he's paroled parliament illegally he's run roughshod over the law the uh, in fact the speaker of the house john burko there's been a, very much a restrainment on on him which was necessary it shows that the parliamentary system works whereas in america right now the the white house and, and make no bones about it now it's it's open warfare now in america right now as i speak the white house and the the administration of the white house is actively attacking and is at war with the I, house I, of representatives I, I find it quite embarrassing well uh, it was got to the stage now and, well have you heard him still defending him yeah it's unbelievable yeah. that that general today was it was it an admiral or general and he was a war hero from That's iraq right. and he i went through his resume and 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 the guy the, the civil servant who came up you've had you've is had a spy three well this is it you've got three people Don't now that are privy to that phone call yeah. so it's not high it's not hearsay these people listen to the phone call and these are three 
public servants of absolute note. And if Trump had have employed these three guys, he would have been singing it from the rooftops, saying how amazing these people are, how 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 great Americans they are. And they've they've just said that they listened to a phone call and that pretty much what we had in the transcript is what happened. So they've they've verified now. They've got enough to get rid of Trump now. To me, you can't defend. However, back to the UK here, and it's the 12th, which is a Thursday. Yep. So my question to you... Well, do you remember a prediction when you said uh, what's going to happen? Yeah. I was a day out. A day out. Um, 11th, I said. Uh, my uh, question to you is, are the Mancunian candidates covering it the whole election? Uh, well, we've got to have to, haven't we? We have to. We've got to. We've got to we do it. To. So for the people listening who have listened before to our, our long all-night sessions, um, it will happen again on the 12th. We'll be covering the election and getting input from various sources. And don't forget, this show has called the American election and the UK election before the BBC, before anyone. We've called Who's Won, uh, and we'll be doing the same again, uh, hopefully, and hopefully it's the right people who win on the 12th. I think it's going to be a hung parliament. And that'll be the end of our short series, and we'll be back after Christmas. Mm. Um, uh, so the 12th, all it's night. A good one to go out on, though. Yes, get ready for it. Um, um, but yeah. Have a day for work. <clears throat> have a day for work, and just join us and stay with us all night on the 12th. Uh, so, yeah. Bring it to the latest. We'll have all sorts. You've never listened to it before. You'll, you'll hopefully be quite shocked. Um, well, it's raw. It. Yeah. It's raw. It's uncut. You'll hear stuff that you're not allowed to say on yeah. the BBC. You, you're going to hear criticisms of all the people involved that are, that are doing <coughs> things that maybe they shouldn't be doing. We discuss it as it is, and it's it should be discussed like that yeah. because there's too much uh, whitewashing going on at the moment and things need calling out. And I've got to say that the I think that it, I'm in two minds on this election. I, I, I don't feel comfortable with Labour going in at 16% behind in the polls. Of course I don't. But if they do manage to get that up a bit and get the poll numbers up a little bit, but it's not a long time, five weeks, it'll soon be here. Yeah, believe me, we'll, you'll be listening to this show very soon um, and you'll go, oh my word, where did the five weeks go? Yeah. It's going to fly by and there's going to be a lot of defining moments. Now, the important thing and is... And a lot of lies. There's going to be a lot of lies. Lot, there's going to be a lot of lies coming from Dominic a lot, Cummings. A lot of lies. Um, and can I say that Dominic Cummings, in conjunction with Boris Johnson, will be using the they dodgy be, yeah. internet stuff. They yeah. will They'll be... in their element. They this will be using they analysts and they will be bombarding people with, with fake uh, postings. Though the, the other week... Within an hour of the rebel Labour MPs supporting the second reading of Boris's bill, but because that's it, only won by that slim majority. If those uh, Labour MPs, those thirty yeah. traitorous bastards, um, when if they hadn't have done that, that would have put Boris in an even weaker position. But they did do it. They were a bunch of bellends, and they did do it. And that's the problem. So you've got to look at the maths now. Going into this, the manifesto is going to be important. Let's just stick on that point there. Mm. The Labour MPs who did that, yeah. now they would have done it for a reason of 
they would have said the majority of the people who supported them in their local constituency wanted leave. Wanted to leave, yeah. So that's why we did it. In yeah. reality, mm. they won't remember that or know, well, they may really know about it, but they won't search down what that person voted no. for because they'll just say, oh, he voted, how about his Labour Party? I want to vote for Tory. That's right. So it's, it's they're going to vote. They're going to vote for whoever. Who, they're going to vote for whoever <coughs> they think is going to give them the result they want. Make no <coughs> bones about this. Absolutely. If Labour think that all, all if Labour start going door to door talking about healthcare, education, uh, finances, college, all of that stuff, public services. If they start going door to door about all that stuff, like they did at the last election, we're going to get annihilated because all anybody wants to know is are you are you, how are you going to deal with Brexit there there's only three possible outcomes there's uh shall we just sack this off and stay in actually just leave and crash out or accept this deal that's on the table with the EU now you will not get the Ulster unionists uh, any unionist Irish political person will would no one wants that border they, they there is a lie being propagated there they said that the backstop has gone it hasn't gone it hasn't gone they've agreed that the northern ireland would remain in in the customs union with with europe <clears throat> for a certain time and that means that that they would be open trade however and here's the big thing it's still going to be a border so even though they're not going to be paying tariffs on the way across in and out of Europe they still have to operate the checking procedures that you have to do when you're going in and out of non-EU countries so there is going to be a border forget everything everybody else has said I've read this agreement I have read it to inside out it is an undeniable fact that you are going to have a border. And because of that, and anybody in Northern Ireland, they're, they're not going to agree to it. And I don't think many Republicans in Ireland are going to agree to it. Nobody wants that border because it's going to it land. But it runs the chance of triggering <clears throat> the, the return to the old problems. Yeah, but in reality is they will benefit financially. They're not going to see that. They're not going to see it. Look, this was all about the that the problems in Northern Ireland were never, and I and people are going to go, what the hell does he mean by this? They were never tangible. They were never real. Uh, There were some real differences and divisions uh, religiously, and there was a lot of, of problems. But a lot of it was perception, like like the Orange marches through through sectarian areas they, 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 it's all image it's all image that's offending people and people are offended and they get that offended they they start doing acts of terrorism because they they think they're in an occupied country yeah. and that's the problem they, they, it was it wasn't that there was a border it wasn't that that um, you know there was a need for a conflict with british troops but they saw british checkpoints as they felt they were in an occupied country. And if you have any form of checkpoint now, if you go back to that, you are going to trigger that ideology in people's minds. And that's why I don't know. I think that this... uh, I did some maths on this. When when it 
happened later on yesterday. I did some maths on this, and I don't think Labour need to do as well as they did at the last election to be a. And if they do slightly less, uh, if they get even twenty or thirty less MPs than last time, mm. if the Brexit Party gets some. If the Lib Dems get a resurgence, which they absolutely will, absolutely will, you will have enough with Labour's block and the Lib Dems and the DUP and any of the Unionist Party, you will have enough to form a government against the uh, Boris. And and that's, that's, that's very true. Now, whether or not Swinson would hold a nose... And become deputy yes. prime minister, and let him be, be and let Corbyn be prime minister. That is a question for her, isn't it? Um, um, I wouldn't trust her with a. I to go to the shop. I don't. To get me some I don't. Cigarettes and I don't some think, change. Yeah, I don't think she could live with it. One of the problems we have and uh, the Labour Party side of the world, because that make it quite clear. I'm a member of the Labour Party, and I, I'm pleased about that. Um, Oh, I'm pleased about it. Uh, it's a, it's a uh, wonderful institution when yeah. it's not ripping itself to pieces. Absolutely. But one of the things you find, I was talking to a guy who was actually on the bus this morning, you know, my bus ride. I know you can buy Rolls Royce, but I can buy bus. Um, Very I was, uh, sensible uh, utility vehicle. Yeah, I know that you find that quite uh, that way. Um, but I was talking to him, and it's about, well, we all have a bit of left and a bit of right in us, don't we? Our thoughts and views. We all think, oh, this, but at times, if you're on the left, you're guilty about saying something because mm. it may offend people. Yeah. And it's supported as well by the liberal media. Mm. And, and I think that's one of the, oh, the wrongs within the uh, liberal thinking, which, which applies here, that you can't think that way. I can't make a statement because you're scared of upsetting someone. Mm. Now, Jonathan Pye, I, I would know Jonathan Pye well, mm. he, he brought a very, he talks about comedians uh, and well, obsessing the left, really. Yeah. Have a listen, see what yeah. you think. I think it's hilarious and spot on. Mm. The great British Bake Off presenter apologised for suggesting that one of the contestants' offerings was diabetes on a plate. Let's take a look. Fuck my bum. When did someone being offended by a joke and mentioning it on Twitter become newsworthy? He didn't inject someone with diabetes, did he? He didn't force-feed them cake until they got diabetes. He was just saying, there's a lot of sugar in that, but he used hyperbole to say it. Is this really what people are getting offended by these days? Humorous sentences? It's like people are just waiting for it. They're desperate for it. I'm offended! Look at me, I'm fucking offended. It's all about me, 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 Fuck off, you fucking narcissists. If you're genuinely offended by a joke about iced buns, why not watch the actual news? Look at Syria, or the treatment of gay people in Russia, or the rainforest being burnt to the ground. After that, if you're still offended by a joke about iced buns, good for you. Be offended. But it it doesn't just stop there. People have served jail time in this country for making unpleasant jokes. I'm not joking. It's fucked up. Actual comedians are losing work for telling jokes. There's, there's that young comedian a year or so back who publicly refused to sign a behavioural agreement before going on stage at a comedy club. Yeah, no jokes that are racist, obviously. Sexist, fine. Classist, yeah. And no anti-religion jokes. 
That's a comedy club introducing its own blasphemy laws. It's absurd. And yet, half the British comedy community came out and called him a fascist. Comedians forcing drag queens to apologise for shocking and deliberately provocative language. That's what drag queens are for, you pricks. These woke comedians are destroying careers and are blind to subtlety and irony and context, which is devastatingly depressing. The liberal left have willingly and gladly given up on free speech. So now anyone who wishes to protect the principle is seen as right-wing. The assumption being, if you believe in freedom of speech, it must be because you just want to tell racist, homophobic, anti-Islamic rape jokes. If you believe in free speech, you're probably a Nazi. I don't know about you, but I have never once thought of joining the Nazi party. But anything's got to be better than this. It's not just comedians or TV bakers that have to watch their every word. It's, it's normal people who are getting sacked or reported to the police because of a tweet they wrote ten years ago. This sort of shit pushes sane, normal, liberal people who have a sense of humour away from so-called liberal politics. I, I got a great idea. Why don't we all just stop talking and interacting and making TV programmes about baking and making silly little jokes about iced buns and instead all just go and kill ourselves? That way we will never cause offence to anyone ever again. That, that was a joke, Tim. I'm using hyperbole and irony and a certain moral ambiguity to make a humorous point about free speech in comedy. But, as one of our leading stand-up comedians argued in a Guardian article last year, when it comes to comedy, now is not the time for ambiguity or irony. And just to clarify, he wasn't being ironic. I love Stuart Lee, by the way, but Stuart, when you say things like that, you sound like a fucking idiot to anyone that doesn't read The Guardian. <clears throat> well, they certainly look delicious, don't they? But the producers of the series... And to me, that is so spot on. Uh, and what's missing? Absolutely missing that, that freedom, I suppose. You call it freedom of speech there. But freedom to say something without offending someone. Well, the, the, this whole overreaction, this mad-ass, mollycoddled attitude towards life is it creates the very situation where Trump and Boris Johnson can get thrive. elected. Absolutely. Because they thrive, because all they've got to do is call it out, and everybody goes, yeah, he's saying it as it is, he's great. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, the difference is Trump was calling out all that sort of stuff. He's talking about being too politically correct and all the rest of it. But you see... He's still not a champion of the people. No. He's actually just a racist. So the the problem, if you overreact to everything, is you can end up accidentally empowering the wrong people. And that's what's happened, and that's what's happened here. And Boris Johnson, I've, I've read so many times uh, some morons on Facebook that go on about him, saying... Oh, he's a, at least he's a man of action. He's, he's great. He's, he's taught... He's, talking i heard somebody uh, there was somebody that i knew they used to work for me years ago but he stole some money actually and he, he this facebook post popped up on my timeline and he was singing boris johnson's praises really? now this guy this really? guy is borderline edl he's got um, george cross 
tattoos on his uh, biceps and he's uh, he, he, he is a racist I mean when we got to know him people hide these things at first but later on it would be for, at the time he was sacked it all came together all at once and then we realised that the guy was a Neanderthal a racist and a bit of a thief so that was him gone but at the end of the day I just saw this post and he said well you you lot out there you're knocking uh, Boris Johnson but he's he's actually I know he's he's been to uh, Eton and and but he's he's still even though he's he's been educated like that he's still a man of the people he's still he's people. talking out he's looking after uh, <sighs> the working people and he's and been to Eton and had sex with a pig yeah well there you go. There we go. That sport, the sport that's happy guy. And that story that was that was uh, he was accused of, and he lost his rag when uh, Labour MP said, "Yeah, well, we all they, we don't approve of your sort of behaviour where you're burning fifty pound notes in front of homeless people." Yeah, yeah he did do that. There were about three people who t- who said he did that. He was while young he was in though. The bullying. He was okay. I don't he give. Was young he did, yeah, no. Do you know what? Spirits. Do you know what? You don't get a pass on certain things if you do, if you're a bit insensitive and a bit a bit a bit of a when you're 16, 17, 18 yeah, you get passed when you're 40 but if when you're 40 someone says yeah, I used to trash restaurants and then give the owner a cheque and say, ha ha, I can afford to do whatever I want and burn 50 pound notes in front of homeless people I am not minded to think that you will have changed that much from that because that is such an extreme part of your personality that I can't see it going out people who were a bit hot tempered when they were younger you can see that they might when you meet them at 40 or 50 they might have calmed down a little yeah, bit yeah, yeah. people who used to drive a bit fast when you had a lift off them when you were 20 and then you meet you in a car with them when they're 40 they drive a little bit more sedate they generally speaking but there's still the same core personality there right let's let's set ahead for the next five uh, or so weeks uh, leading up to the 12th um there will be, like you just said, uh, a lot of money spent. There's already been a lot of money spent. Well, uh, can I say, in it, this is more waste. I just want to point this out before we go on. Yeah. I just want to say this very quickly. I just say that this is yet another massive... Because we're only halfway through a term. We're halfway through a term. And this is the second election now. We should We shouldn't even be at the point where we're having the election that de- the the follow-up election after Cameron when he won his majority <laughs> we shouldn't be there but no she called one uh, yeah. Theresa May called yeah. one and it blew up in a fucking stupid face yeah. and then now we're called another one these things aren't cheap okay they're a massive cost to the the British taxpayer we have had two of these now all because of Brexit all because of Tory MPs who have done stupid things. The first one that that necessitated um, Theresa May was because literally Cameron messed up the most important vote. And I will go so far as to say he shouldn't have even offered a referendum. That's why you employ and you vote for MPs so they can 
find make out all the facts and make, make decisions. decisions for you. Yeah. You don't you don't do the plumbing yourself. You get no. a plumber, you know, and that's it. So that's mistake number one: the referendum. Then then he he decided, well, I've lost. I'm going to go to the people. So that's cost number one for Brexit, and as well as all the money that it's costing going to and from and all the negotiating and all the rest of it. And everybody's going on about all this money saved that we're going to save yeah. by not being in there. Well, it's it, yeah, we're not saving it yet, are we? Here we're on our second general <sighs> election now. So let's have a lead up to this, Mike. I want it in front of us. We're going to have a lot of money spent on both sides. Um, yeah, absolutely. Both sides will be spending yeah. money on social media and advertisement. They're already on, spending on money on it. Uh, yep. You uh, know those traitors that went and uh, the, the 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 traitors that voted uh, traitors for, for Boris oh, uh, yeah. Boris were from the Labour traitors. Yeah. yeah well, the Labour traitors. Uh, they the they, this is how stupid these traitors were. The following morning, within hours of that, um, you had you had a massive social media campaign using them as a as a as a way of attacking Labour Party saying we've succeeded we have got this historic vote because of it and and at the top it was the Boris and it was a blue bat sat blue at the top and it said Boris we has managed to get this through this brilliant thing and then at the bottom you had Corbyn it's going only Jeremy Corbyn is still holding things up and that they, they yeah. couldn't have done that campaign if it wasn't for you. So if you, any of you are listening to this, you thirty traitorous balans, that's what your little stunt managed to inflict upon the Labour Party. And we're going to see a lot of them campaigns. Facebook is going to be played like a Stratovarius. And I can only hope that Corbyn gets his shit together because he needs to. Um, how do you think the young will vote? When I say young, I'm talking about uh, under 21. And they're going to vote for someone who wants to stay in Europe. <coughs> I'm going to vote for no uh, student fees. Yeah. I'm going to vote for no... It's a very attractive yeah. thing to vote yeah. for. And the older, old age pensioners and people getting older... Or certain the age, Lib Dems... Are, are they going to vote Lib for, Dems, for no prescription charges? Yeah, Lib Dems are a very attractive proposition to a student now, to a young person. Well, I'm talking about Labour policy here. Well, labour policy. Yeah, yeah, but well, the, no prescription but, charges. Yeah, they, these are persuasive, but I've already said they're not. They, you'll go to a doorstep and go right. Care. I want to. Do, I want to talk about uh, healthcare. That's something that bothers you. Bother you. Bother you. You'll go gabble on for ten minutes, and then I swear to you, at the very end, all they'll say is, "Well, what? What is your stance on Brexit?" That's all they want to know. This is all about Brexit. That's it. Right. End of story. This is the Brexit so election. The, one of the thing, hardest things Labour had. Uh, have struggled on uh, in, a, in a ridiculous way they struggled Labour have been quite clear we want to stop it Labour said we want to bring it back to people that message has never come forward in a clear way has no, it? not never at all come, come not forward. at all we should stay, say now Labour vote for Labour and you get your say on whether to accept that deal or leave without a deal or remain in the EU. People are allowed to change their minds, and let's find out if people have changed their minds. Arguing against that, people would say, some people would say, we've already had that thought, and we've already voted on that. No. Well, Ed, I would say to that imbecile that if you can change your mind in within three to four years, we are nearly at the point where it's almost a full term of Parliament since since that vote. That 
is enough time. It's deemed enough time. Four years is deemed enough time to have another election to replace a government. So, therefore, it's certainly enough time that people have had a time to reflect. People didn't know what they were voting for. It was a badly handled campaign, and I'd like to say there were three major violations of right. overspending, okay. Okay. which stop, invalidated that referendum. I challenge the validity of that referendum okay. and always well, let me will. S- let me stop you there. Uh, people didn't know what they were voting for. If you ask the people who voted to leave, they say quite clearly they knew what they were voting for. I mean, you both think well, yeah, that. Yeah, well, they're idiots then. Yeah, me and you both realise that. I'm, I'm, you know. been con- I mean, and again, for people, I was talking to a mutual friend of ours, uh, Mr Wilson, the mm. other day, about, and you know it well, me and you watched uh, uh, an ITV play about yep. Brexit, yep. which uh, was called... What was it? Brexit and Uncivil War. Brexit and Uncivil War. Starring Benedict Cumberbatch playing Go the, and playing. watch that. Download it from it, somewhere. It's and you'll incredible. understand that this guy is now running our government. Yeah, he is. Dominic Cummings is running our government. He, he's, he's there. Every, every photograph you see of Boris Johnson outside Parliament, every photograph that you see of him outside the Westminster Chambers is he's, he's right with him. He's like a, a puppet master. It's like seeing Sooty and Sweep. And I'll get no prizes for guessing which one's the puppet. Uh, and um, and we're running out of time. I'm going to uh, talk a little bit about the USA in a moment. But uh, for the people, I mean, this quite clearly, this radio station... Fab Radio International is behind the Labour Party. Uh, Mike isn't so keen on Mr Corbyn, but he's still behind the party. Itself. I could have left the Labour Party. I had loads of, people, uh, loads of people said to me, yeah. you, you, well, you know, uh, why don't you leave? Because people agreed with me. The, the few, I had a few people, I've got a, a friend of mine in London, and, and she said to me, oh, it's too, you can't, it's infected now, there's no point, you might as well be voting Lib Dem or go with someone else like the Greens. And, and, and I said, no, I'm not, I'm not being pushed out of a party that I've, I've been a member of since 14 years of age. Wow. I've been, wow, I've been wow. and I'm not, I'm not being pushed out. This is a temporary time. This is like over in the States. I, I said to some American girls that last year who were gobsmacked at the, uh, the Trump thing, and they were, one of them was in tears because a friend of hers had been killed in the, the shooting at Mandalay Bay. And, and I just said to the, the girls, I said, look, just remember, he's not going to be there forever. It always seems permanent at the time but this is a fleeting moment in our lives, in our history and it yes, it's going to have long repercussions <clears throat> but it still will end. It will end. There will be a point when Labour has a decent leader that's got public support from the from Middle England, from all over the UK. We will be back in some form again. The Labour Party has endured 125 years in one form or another. It's not going to go away. You need a party for the working classes and the people that are more vulnerable, and that's what Labour and will always a, be. Yeah, and we need a party that actually does support the NHS. Yeah, and it does. Fiercely. It is a... You've got to remember no that because of Iron Bevan... And, and Clement Attlee, the Labour Party created the National Health Service and the welfare state as a way of bringing us all together and looking after us post-war when we were all struggling together. Uh, the Conservative Party would want to use the NHS to 
to create a privatised system, yeah. yeah, they would want to form insurance companies to run it all. They would. Yeah. They want the American the Brexit system. Brexit Party quite clear about it. Yeah, the way they forward. May, they may. Yeah, but it, it doesn't work in in America. People are dying in America. People are dying out there. Nigel Farage interfere with this because do you know what? That guy annoys me more than anybody because that guy is the biggest hypocrite in the world. He is using rich he's got a rich guy behind him who's got a massive haulage company that keeps giving him money he's a paid prostitute that guy he's nothing but a cheap hooker that's all that guy is he's literally a cheap hooker he just gets paid he's a kept man he's been paid money but and you know who's paying it i don't want to mention his name on here but we know you know who he is and he yeah. owns a haulage company and if you want to find out more watch it. brexit yeah. watch brexit and uncivil war that guy has got no integrity he's got no bloody integrity and if he did uh, destroy the nhs and he, he was instrumental in doing that he'd his insurance would be sorted out because his sugar daddy would pay you know, yeah. the, guy's a, he's, the guy is literally Nigel Farage. What gets me is this bit that I don't, I don't have this bit where people tell me, oh, he's a character, though, isn't he? Oh, it's... It's a character, he's all down the pub. Okay. That, that image of him with the, with, um, the pineapple mug of, of bitter down the pub, just, just drinking with, with everybody else, right? That, that is a... PR stunt, it's spin, it's not who he is. If you're black, he hates you because you're black. If you're poor, he can't stand you because you're an oik. If you're a single parent, he thinks you're a burden on society. Nigel Farage is a bad person. Bad guy, he's a bad guy. Uh, and talking of bad guys and hookers, let's play this. This is about the key uh, revelations from the impeachment inquiry of uh, Mrs. Trump. From 13... 13- witnesses in the House impeachment inquiry. Talk to me about the top line. What's the top line here? So, John, the most important person we've heard from so far is Donald Trump himself. And any discussion of the evidence here has to start with the July 25th call between Donald Trump and the Ukrainian President Zelensky. To give a quick recap of that call, Donald Trump talks about the United States has been very, very good to Ukraine. I wouldn't say it's reciprocal necessarily. What he's saying there is we do a lot for you. You don't really do much for us. Now, Zelensky very quickly picks up what Trump is saying and he responds. I would also like to thank you for your great support in the area of defense. Area of defense there refers to the hundreds of millions of dollars in foreign aid that the United States provides to Ukraine, which is engaged in an ongoing conflict with Russia. Donald Trump then responds to that with, I think, the 10 words that will live in history. I would like you to do us a favor, though. And then Trump explains what favors he wants. One is an investigation into this crowd strike, which is this wacky conspiracy theory about the DNC server. And the second thing Trump wants is, he says, the other thing, there's a lot of talk about Biden's son, Hunter Biden. So this is the ask. And many people, Democrats, think in and of itself, this is enough to impeach the president But wait, there's more. Yeah. There's this issue of the quid pro quo. Right. It could be enough, but you want to build your case out if you're an investigator. And that's where the witnesses become so important. I think the most important witness so far is Ambassador Bill Taylor, who is the top U.S. diplomat in Ukraine. He testified the other day. The first thing he established is that there was what he called an irregular informal channel of U.S. policymaking set up with respect to Ukraine, led by these three. Rudy Giuliani, president's personal lawyer, no business dealing with Ukraine. Rick Perry, secretary of energy. And then Gordon Sondland, who is the ambassador to the EU. Ukraine's not part of the EU, although it's tangentially relevant. 
Taylor also told us the two things that Trump was insisting on, he learned, was that Zelensky go to a microphone and announce, again, same two things, investigations of the 2016 election and the Bidens. All right. So you have the text messages there. And, and yeah. there are there is some evidence that that Bill Taylor was trying to leave a record here. right? Absolutely. Look, prosecutors and investigators love text messages. It shows you what the people were thinking at the time in black and white. Famous text from Bill Taylor, which is consistent with this testimony. He says, are we now saying security assistance and White House meeting are conditioned, quid pro quo, conditioned on investigations? The famous response from Gordon Sondland. Another thing I think we'll be hearing about for a yeah. long time. Call me. Right. And then the other text, Taylor says, again, as I said on the phone, like you said, John, making a record, I think it's crazy to withhold security assistance to help with the political campaign. Almost a five hour gap, middle of the night from just after midnight to just after 5 a.m., where he talks to the president and then comes back with this sort of cover up statement. So you have the text message chain on the quid pro quo. Alexander Vindman yesterday, Colonel Vindman yesterday goes back to the original call, the original sin yep. of the Trump evidence you told us about. Yeah. So, again, Vindman's, Vindman's testimony is so important because he tells us the same two things were in play here. He wa- the president wanted an investigation of the 2016 election and the Bidens. And the thing that's so important about Vindman is he is the first witness who actually listened to that July 25th call when it happened. An ear witness. An ear witness. Right. Exactly. And he says his reaction to hearing that was it is not proper to demand that a foreign government investigate a U.S. citizen. He was worried that it would be perceived as a partisan play, and he thought it would undermine U.S. national security. You wonder, no wonder why Donald Trump and others seem so fearful of his testimony. No wonder they're lashing out at him in sort of personal ad hominem, irrelevant attacks on his character. And, and of course, his testimony calls into question that of another <laughs> peculiar witness here, Gordon Sondland, the ambassador to EU. It's hard to figure out where exactly he fits here. He is a strange witness. He's got, he, he says some things that ring true, but he's also got some real credibility problems. So first of all, Sondland said he was, quote, disappointed by the president's direction that we involve Mr. Giuliani. Disappointed is a strange word choice there, maybe an understatement. Uh, but that is one thing that he said. And again, consistent. You see the consistency, witness to witness and the phone call, the same two things the president wants. By the way, he's not looking to bust corruption. Generally, all he wants is investigation into 2016 and into Burisma uh, and the Bidens. Now, Sondland, I think, has real credibility issues. If I'm thinking about him as a potential witness, as a prosecutor or an investigator, I'd think twice. A couple things Sondland said that don't really ring true. One, he said, I heard about Burisma, but I didn't know there was a Biden connection. I mean, Rudy's out there at the time publicly talking about it. Both witnesses we've heard from, Taylor and Vindman, said, oh, he knew. We talked about it. He also said, Sondland also said, nobody ever shared their misgivings with me. Well, Vindman and Taylor and others have refuted that. They've said, no, no, no. There was plenty of concern raised to Sondland. And he also said with his call me text, he said, oh, I just like to talk to people one on one. That's my style. So beyond Sondland, Taylor, Vimmin, there have been a number of other witnesses that in some cases have provided some pretty explosive testimony. Yeah, there there have been a lot, uh, some other important witnesses. Dr. Fiona Hill, who was one of the top White House Russia advisors, talked again about this shadow diplomacy, this group led by Rudy and Perry and Sondland. And I think the most, no pun intended, explosive thing she said was that the reaction to Rudy being involved from Bolton was that Rudy was a hand grenade, meaning he could cause all sorts of damage. We also heard from the displaced ambassador Ambassador Marie Ivanovich, who talked about this concerted campaign to remove her because she was in the way of Rudy's agenda. Can I ask you, big picture, who would you prioritize? If you're the Democrats running a public hearing in two weeks, 
Who would you put on the stand publicly? Yep. Bill Taylor and Vinman are ace witnesses. I think their credibility is unassailable. They are nonpartisan. And I think their testimony gets right to the heart of the matter here and is consistent with the phone call and the text. They are fantastic witnesses to build around. You think Vinman shows up in uniform like he did yesterday? He should. It's appropriate. He's there on official business. So there we have it. Um, it's all falling apart. Uh, and you said the other week, that's it, it's done with. Yeah. Do you still stand by that? I do, yeah. It's only a matter of when. It, no, it's not if, it's when. The The evidence is massive now. They, they've been... They've, and do you know what? I always said everybody thinks he's cleverer than, than he actually is. Mm. Trump is an imbecile. Trump will. Wait, Trump was always going to get impeached from the minute he won that election. He was always going to find himself unable to stop himself from doing something illegal because that's who he is. Look at his MO. Let's look at what he's been doing, what's come out since he, he got in office. Seeing all his business dealings with Russia, seeing all the dodgy stuff with Manafort. We don't need to we got stuff. friends in Russia. Yeah, remember? exactly. Yeah, you've got all that. The guy is dishonest to a level he's been involved in so many things and the only reason he's not got in trouble is because he's always lawyered up and he's just he's done his best to make sure that he never cops for any of the consequences of his actions but you can't do that when you're president of the United States so he has conducted himself in that office um, he's in the same manner he conducted himself running running his empire and what's happened is he's got more and more emboldened and then when he didn't, you've got to remember this timing of this is quite interesting. The Ukraine phone call was one week after the Mueller report came out and he knew that he wasn't going to be indicted and that he'd got away with it. It's quite... It's so you tell me he must have felt like Superman, Mr. Teflon, yeah, yeah. Uh, untouchable. So that's the when dog. all this went on. Now, the, 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 there's no smoke without fire. Um that's what people were were saying, hoping that they'd find something once they dug into the Ukraine phone call. It turns out it's absolutely true. There's a full-blown forest fire going on there. I mean, you've got every single aspect of what you were told has been proven beyond any reasonable doubt. Not even on a balance of probabilities, the lower civil threshold, on a, even a criminal threshold of beyond reasonable <clears throat> doubt. You have got 13 people who have now come forward. These are people who have no reason to lie whatsoever. They can't all be never Trumpers. You can't have 13 people. These three that have come forward this week yeah. are absolutely the perfect skilled. civil servants. Yeah. They've spent their entire lives and careers looking, mm. serving the United States. These are career. And that soldier today is, they're too credible. These witnesses are so damn credible that this ought to just fly through. The newspaper USA Today yeah. has never supported one political party or the other. No. For 34 years of its existence. And no. It's always been... It's reported the news, but never had a swear. Yeah, it's like The Guardian, isn't it? No, it's, definitely not. Well, The Guardian... Definitely not. Now, The Guardian sometimes it's can be very critical of Labour. It's, it's quite... I think The no, Guardian's quite fair. It's been quite clear over 34 years. It has no political sway on what... Has no yeah, it's neutral. It wants neutral. to remain neutral. Uh, yeah. First time ever, they are saying they support impeachment. Yeah. They've never come and... They haven't done this before. No. 
you, they, they, they're at 52% in the polls. When it gets to 58, you're at the same level of public support for removal of Donald Trump as you were with Nixon and Watergate. He's 6% away in a poll. And the minute it gets to that, if it gets close to that, 55%, if it goes up 2 or 3 more percent in it, public support, I think the, that's going to be the point when these Republicans go, ah, but you know what? They've got to be careful because the way they're black and white, just going, no, 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 covering their ears, going, no, I'm, it's not true. It's, yeah. He's not committed a crime. It's not the, the less room they're going to have for manoeuvre when they realise that if they don't remove this guy, they're going to be completely wiped out next year. I don't mean it's going to be a landslide victory for for the Democrats. I mean it's going to be a, a tor- it's going to be a tornado ripping through Washington because you you you're going to have crazy swings of 10 and 12% in in areas where you've got you'll have senators removed from office that were in safe seats because <clears throat> they the public can see all of this they can read all of this it's not washing anymore the only people who are absolutely still saying no 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 get he doesn't he shouldn't be impeached are the, are the, are the maga lot yeah. and they are only uh, they're only 26 percent of the vote then if you if you're lucky i think he got a shock as well we're not going to he's used to going to his own conventions getting all the cheering and when he went to a normal place for the, mm. for the baseball he got lock Ooh. him up lock him up lock him up the lock boo was up. terrible yeah like say when have you heard that when have you seen a president of the united states booed at, at a baseball game because yeah. there's a lack of respect you've you've got respect even if you didn't vote for that yeah, president yeah but they, they there's no respect for him they they know that he's damaging the office of president of the united states and he's damaging it beyond repair well we've run out of time uh that's the end of the show thank you for listening thank you for supporting the Mankey new candidates uh, and thank you for supporting fab radio international as well in the penn station here yep. in manchester in the northwest of yep. the england um, we're back next week, but making your new diary the 12th of December. Stay with us. Uh, mm. We'll be live on Fab Radio International all through the night, and I promise you, you will be entertained. You will be entertained. Uh, we'll see you next week. Goodbye from me, Paul Ripley, and Mike Royce. <laughs>